tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches read Wayward Son by Rainbow Rowell and talk about it. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we're talking about chapters 41 and 42 of Wayward Son. So, chapter 41, Baz observes Penny being her normal, direct, borderline rude self, pressing Shepard for the information that he has honestly been offering everyone this whole damn time. Baz also realizes that Simon should go fly more, which, yes, duh, we figured that out like four chapters ago. Also, at Simon's insistence, Baz rides in the truck bed with his boyfriend, though he is maybe not totally feeling this exposed bumpy ride. We go to Simon's POV, and he really just wants to fuck around with in the truck, you oblivious vampire. <laughs> Uh, Baz is now laying down next to Simon, right up against Simon, and he finally stops worrying about safety to worry about why Simon is trying to get close to him. Uh, Simon, meanwhile, wants to wants to touch Baz and be touched by Baz, so he does. Um, we get more back and forth that these emotionally constipated boys have, for the first time this book, stopped overthinking it and are finally kissing slash probs other things. Which is great. We get a nice fade to... Uh, fade to black, but a little chapter divide line. Um, Baz is still a little bit overthinking why now and if this is going to last, which I guess fair. But because Shepard does not want to drive into Las Vegas in the middle of the night, our group ends up in a campground for the rest of the night with all of them now in the truck bed and Penny between our lovers because safety. And we learn that Shepard's plan is to hit up the oldest vampire hotel and send in Baz as their guy on the inside. Chapter 42, we're with Agatha and she's not doing great. We learned from her that the day before, uh, that she's still of course in this weird ass compound, but now in her own room. Brady comes to speak with her and uh, the gloves come off, so to speak, as he lets her know that he knows that she's a mage. Uh, Agatha does a pretty good job of not trying to give the game away, but Brayden is like overplaying nice and, well, he has her basically fucking trapped. Also, turns out he's a vampire now. Uh, Agatha does not want any of this West Coast flavored ubermensch bullshit, but without her wand, she has little options. He ends up drugging her in the end, and we come back to where we started at the beginning of this chapter with Agatha confused and drugged to the gills. Alright, please remember that this is a fully spoiled podcast, and with that, we will enter our first segment, Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Um, more blue appreciation from me to start things off here. Um, my favorite part is the fact that one of the things that she liked receiving previously was divorce papers. You know, maybe it's really juicy, uh, I guess. Yeah, what a fucking gossip. Like, I love that. I love it. <laughs> it's like real life fiction novels, you know? 
I would also be hungry for divorce papers personally if I was a sentient river. Yeah, it's like the opposite of a romance novel, which I guess people don't really write very often, but I'm like, I would read that. (laughs) So, which I guess I do whenever I read advice columns where it's like, oh, you're going to get a divorce because you suck. Uh-huh. My first thing is about just a line from the sort of... uh, veiled and disjointed chapter when Baz and Simon are making out when or whatever they're doing and Simon is like I tie our hearts together chamber by chamber and I just had to stop and just like drag my hands over my face because I'm just like oh (laughs) (sighs) and it's still gonna take another half of a book another well it's still gonna take it to the middle of next book for them to like be okay again. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm gonna put a link in the show notes to one of the fan artists that we follow on Instagram, uh, Gullible Goldfish, who I actually use a lot for the episode art mm-hmm. for this show um, because they like gave me blanket permission as long as I credit right. Cool. Uh, they drew this gorgeous sort of Frida Kahlo style image of Baz and Simon with like an anatomical heart with that quote. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So I want everyone to go look at it because it's just exquisite. I also want to look at that. That sounds incredible. Sorry. I realized that I had another thing about Blue that I meant to include, which is that I just think like she must be so happy in 2022 about our new water resistant phones that like probably work for a while before they stop working she can finally read all the gossip online gossip that she wants yeah aside from that the description of how stoked shepherd is about the truck bed being spelled squishy is just my heart it makes me so happy i mean it does sound pretty cool um it does it sounds amazing yeah it's like if it wasn't in a if they weren't in a sort of life or death situation, it probably would be really fun just to jump on it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I love that we get from Agatha when she's just like talking to Brayden and being like, I'm just a normal freshman and college. I'm probably going to be a vet. And I'm like, you sure should continue to do that train of thought there. <laughs> <laughs> so... You know, the thing is that I think she means it. Like, I think she genuinely, you know, like, she doesn't want to be a magician. She's, like, she's telling the truth. She knows what he's trying to get at, and she is speaking her truth. Yeah. And is like, no, I am just a freshman in college who wants to go to vet school. I mean, you can find I off. want her still to go to vet school. And then uh, she can be that... Like, the queer the queer vet where her and her partner are both uh veterinarians which actually is my vet <laughs> anyway i have like i have a queer vet which is great i think everyone who works at the vet that we go to also is queer they're great they ask for uh both pet and parent pronouns on their intake paperwork so nice it is um I'm gonna say oh let me tell you about how frustrated 
I am with Penelope Bunce for sleeping in between masks. <laughs> like, our relationship may be forever changed as a result of her decision in this moment. I'm like, safety from what, Penny? Like, she could have just slept on the other side of Simon on the outer edge and they could have been in the middle and it would have been fine. Right. What the hell? Oh my god, yes. It's it's unacceptable. And the fact that even Baz was like, I did a bunch of diagnosis charms, he's like, fine, you know? Right. So, yeah. She's just like, continuing to insist on making a point that just doesn't exist. And, and she's ruining it for everyone. Mm-hmm. And it's terrible. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I know, it's like, I feel like even in his head, Bash should have just been like, are you fucking serious right now? <laughs> right? <laughs> you fucking I agree. Me? Okay. Do you think there's an actual, like, official World of Mages protocol of a normal confronts you? Or is just this something that, like, Agatha had to learn because of all her, like, horse girl normal friends? Um, I think that... I think that this is a protocol that mage children learn like like we learn stop, drop, and roll. Mm-hmm. I feel like I saw on like Instagram or like Tumblr where someone was like, the stop, drop, and roll really gave all of us an outsized fear of being on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, but also it's like really important information. It is. Because it's not intuitive. If no one ever taught you. It is not intuitive, but I feel like probably more relevant information back when, like, I don't know, pajamas were made out of more flammable things. Well, I guess asbestos is, like, less flammable, which is what beds used to be made out of. Anyway, never mind. This is very off topic. Um, And I only ask because, well, I guess, because it kind of makes sense because I feel like Penny has been doing this without, like, in her brain being like, okay, what are the steps (laughs) to try to divert attention from someone who thinks that we are mages even though it's like you really can't talk yourself out of him seeing you slay a bunch of vampires yeah i mean i think with shepherd it's one it's too late by the point that they're interacting for yeah. to do the avoid deny or flee part so they're just already at fight and also penny i think is just sort of always at fight like she's always <laughs> gonna be like no memory charm before try and like talk my way out of this situation yeah, Penny's always on 10, yeah. which is often really great. <laughs> Sometimes, you know, it's yeah. really hard to be always on 10. Yeah, it's also not always ethical to be always on 10, especially when it comes to deeply immoral spell work. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also have only one thing left, which is just LOL vampire accountants. <laughs> You know, if you need someone to cook the books or do some money laundering, it probably helps to have I'm someone. I'm like the spicy kind because I like cannot see the word accountant without thinking that it's a code for sex worker. And I was like, That's fair. there are probably so many vampire accountants. In There's Vegas. probably both kinds of uh, sure vampire accounts. Yes. <laughs> Although, man, if I was a vampire, I think I would just I would just keep a human accountant. Because where are you going to find a vampire that wants to be an accountant? Like, if you have a choice, maybe people really like being accountants. I don't know. I mean, maybe. I don't know. If you're an accountant, 
a, a non-spicy accountant and you like your job, please, <laughs> please let us know. Let us know. Is that what you would do with your eternal life, which is... I mean, I guess if you weren't a, like, rich, established vampire, you could probably be an accountant until you were rich enough to be like, fuck off, y'all. I'm going on going on vacation somewhere else. Yeah, or yeah, yeah. That's buying true. my own hotel slash brothel slash whatever. Yeah. Know. Switch types of accountant. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to I See a Little Silhouette of a Man, where we talk about character development. I only have Penny here. Okay. Baz says, sometimes Bunce's boldness is just arrogance. And I think that that is such an apt and, like, succinct description. Very well put. This whole chapter, we don't get a lot of her, but everything we see of her is, like, like, she's yelling at Shepard for, like, quote-unquote, littering when she, like, watched Blue receive this, quote-unquote, litter as a gift. Like, the embodiment of the river was, like, thank you. And she just wants to be mad and will grab anything to be mad about. And I'm just like, Petty, chill the fuck out. Like, you don't have to be mad just to be mad. Like, it's not the law. You can just not do that sometimes. Yes. Um... And just also just extremely funny because Shepard has up until this point been overly accommodating of giving up information about what he is doing and who he has visited and what he is about. So it's just deeply funny to me that now she is angry about having to go to him for knowledge where it's like, he's been telling you this from day one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and she just... I think part of it is like you're right like she just can't handle or like not can't handle but it just it just it irritates her so much that she just like is angry about it um but i also feel like we see her in this book spend a lot of time being like off kilter and like not really in her element and i feel like this is this is the first time that it's like not the first time but this is sort of her getting back to her default self <laughs> <laughs> Which I love for her. Um, more people should be arrogant besides cis dudes. So, Do you feel like in this situation, her arrogance and like need to be the one who... I don't, like, I don't even really know what her motivation is in like yelling at, at Shepard for littering. I just feel like, to me, I'm like, are you, are you missing the opportunity to be excited about the fact that you just met the literal embodiment of a river because you're so set on being upset for the sake of being upset because that feels sad to me like i want excited like oh my god how does how is this how does this work like we have to get to the bottom of this you know uh whatever simon says and and carry on like penny we never have to you just want to like i want that penny inquisitive exploring that bold penny and not like i'm so mad that i'm like shutting out all of this very exciting and cool information penny i think she just can't get over the fact that she's getting it from shepherd who is a normal i'm sure that that's the reason but like 
ha- like what has to happen before something is cool enough that she's willing to overlook the fact that a normal is leading her to it because for me the embodiment of a literal river <laughs> seems like it should be the line especially because which I have more about in Caught in a Landslide. Clearly they don't learn about enough of that at school for mm. her to be like, how are you how are you mad at Shepard for giving a literal god? Let's like let's just be real. Like if blue is an embodiment of a river spirit that you make offerings to, that is that is some god shit. Yep. And your response is to be angry about it. It's like Shepard is not only doing y'all a solid, but he is, like, doing the, like, correct sort of respectful interaction for a literal fucking god. Who, may we remind you, offered to kill them, like, very casually. And he was like, no, no, these are my friends. And Penny's like, fuck you, I am not your friend. How dare you make offerings to a literal god? I hate everything. <laughs> it's like, Penny, do you want to end up one of the mysterious bodies in Lake Mead? You do not. <laughs> of which there are many. <laughs> right? Yeah. But that is, that's what she's on her way to right now. Like between her treatment of Blue and her treatment of Margaret, it's like, how are you still alive? How did you make it through these 20 pages of book intact with the attitude that you are bringing to the situation you're in? I, I mean... I honestly just think maybe part of it is, A, this must be a part of a Watford education that is lacking. And number two, Penny is probably so used to interacting with magical creatures that Simon kills pretty immediately. Mm. That it's sort of like, I, I don't think that she has had, I mean, I guess I don't know in a, in a mage's life if, you know, there are other magical beings that you normally interact with that, like, don't go to school with you. Mm-hmm. But it just seems like, unless they're her classmates, that she doesn't hasn't had as much interaction with magical beings who aren't mages. Or who weren't set by the humdrum to kill her. Right. Yeah. So it's sort of like, I think if she has all these experiences that, like, seven, six Seven years of experiences of, like, dealing with uh, magical beings trying to harm herself or Simon or others, and Simon then just sticking a sword into them, Mm -hmm. essentially, that I think, I think that, and it's not like an excuse of her behavior, but I think that that would make sense to me, that she hasn't had an experience where, like, the experience they're having in this book where, like, Simon can't just kill it, you know? It's like... A, these beings are more powerful, and B, they're, like, basically benign unless you, like, fuck with them directly. Right. So, and this just isn't a skill that Penny has had to learn, and it doesn't seem like a skill that the world of mages is emphasizing, which, I mean, considering how people treat animals, (laughs) I'm kind of like... Correction. Considering how, say, American society treats animals and views animals is not shocking. Yeah. Yeah. It isn't an excuse because also part of it is like, Penny, you sh- I feel like you should know better. <laughs> Even just intuitively. <sighs> you know, it seems like just, it, it seems like it should be intuitive to be like afraid and respectful of both Margaret and Blue in the way that you would be if you came upon a grizzly bear, you know? 
where you're like, allow me to respectfully exit this situation and not, like, get mad at you for existing. Like, that's not going to get you very far with something that's that much, like, bigger and more powerful than you. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of feel that way about any uh, being that could potentially cause you harm. It's like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, even a goat could, like, seriously fuck you up. And it's just like, I don't know. Yeah. I think I got off topic. But yes. (laughs) Penelope. All right. Who else do you have here? Another reason why Simon needs to get a dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> do we discuss this? Do we do we do we fall on dog or do we get fall on cat? I don't remember what we For Simon, that. he definitely needs a dog. He needs something that he has to go outside with at least once every day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or a Rain bird he could, could go flying with. He could get some like <laughs> the homing pigeons. He could go flying with them. <laughs> I don't know if keeping pigeons is a thing in the UK the way it is in the US, but a lot of cultures keep pigeons. So yeah, probably. Um, any of our foreign correspondents want to weigh in about if people keep pigeons for I mean, there's that whole pets. pigeon feeding scene in Mary Poppins. That's true. But those are like escaped feral pigeons that live in every urban area and yeah. everywhere. But I feel like where there are pigeons, there are there's at least a few pigeon weirdos who are like having a coop on the roof of their building you know check out my sweet racing pigeons i'm like yeah yeah Yeah. i I have one small thing about bath who's overthinking this entire interaction and i just feel so much empathy for him as someone who also is an overthinker Especially in times of high anxiety. So I'm just like, my baby. I know. Yeah. This is this is a hard this is a hard chapter in a lot of ways. It's a very bittersweet chapter in a lot of yeah. ways. Because it's like, again, I you'll have to remind me how far how many pages into this book we are since I'm reading. Oh, okay. So we're like a little over it's like my book says that we're sixty three percent of the way through this book. Before we get a scene where they're, like, being very cute and intimate. Yeah, that sounds right. If you guys were here for not the slow burn, it's not, this is not the series. I just don't feel like this is even a burn. This is, like, a drag. I don't know. I am enjoying this book a lot more than I thought that I would when I was like, oh, we have to talk about this book now. But it is really hard. Like, this is a hard book. I know. It makes me... There's so many good things about this book, I find. But yeah, their relationship being where it is, is like almost physically painful for me. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of wish that this book was like, this one was like Penny's book. It's just Penny and Shepard going to save Agatha on a road trip across America. And Baz and Simon are at home working through all of this and we don't have to see it. And we just come back to them in book three and they're better. And they're kissing again because that's really what I'm here for. Yeah. That would be such a fun, like, screwball comedy book. Just Penny and Shepard together <laughs> traveling across America to save Agatha from vampires. They could go on so many wack, probably these very similar wacky adventures. Which, honestly, fantasy needs more screwball comedies anyway. Totally. Maybe when we do finally write a fantasy series, when we can, like, afford to hire a social media manager or whatever it is that we need to do to be able to have more time, we can, like 
have one that like literally just doesn't have a moral <laughs> it's like it's just like this it's is just some kids having fun that's the whole point of the whole thing that sounds great honestly Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Agatha's in trouble. Agatha is trapped in a room with a dude that wants to do medical experiments on her. Yep. And just... Everything about this is gross. Like, everything about her interaction with Brayden in this chapter is just like... Ugh. I mean, a lot of things sort of just like, ugh. But one of the things was like him being like, oh, like, Agatha, you want this. Like, you came here to our to our thing. And she's like, no, I came with a friend. I had no idea. I did not want to be a part of this. And just like his insistence is just very like, ugh. I, I like love that part, though, because because Agatha means it and I feel like he probably knows that he that she means it he's like you came here and she's like I I literally did not like I came here to be a good friend I have no interest in you and like that's 100% true and I just enjoy imagining whatever internal reaction Brayden is having to that because it must feel so horrible for him like as the kind of person that he is to hear that someone like genuinely doesn't give a fuck about what he's doing here i like imagining that part obviously like i hate everything about this but like imagining the like internal shakenness that he experiences in that moment brings me joy yeah i mean i think i think this is an interesting chapter to have read so shortly after our discussion of reptile boy from buffy Mm. in which we kind of get into sort of like how it like looks and feels when someone when a when a dude is being like predatory and creepy and this is like this is the gloves come off of him just trying to be like i'm just some nice tech dude who wears designer jeans and like a hoodie all the time and i just want to talk to this cute girl in my cool compound to actually i want you to do medical experiments on because yeah. I'm trying to create. It's an invitation, but it's not a request. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's fucking terrifying. Yeah. Ugh. I know. And I'm just, I have a whole rant about this plan and why it's garbage. So Brayden reveals his plan to Agatha and to us, which is... To create, he calls it the next stage of human life, quote unquote. Um, It is very much feels like to me, repackage racist bullshit about like creating a race of people better than all of the other races of people, aka Nazi shit. And I'm just like, but it's also so good to have this in this novel because I feel like this is an excellent sort of a sort of excellent, ex- excellent fictional example about why we can't trust like white dudes in tech to be like, I'm creating a beneficial thing for all people. And when a lot of it is just going to be the same, like 
colonialist white supremacy bullshit, but like repackaged. Yeah, it's also good timing with the the Elon Musk Twitter acquisition, I think. Yeah, I mean, exactly. It's sort of like, and I think in general, there is a large amount of people that are like, oh, these like, you know, because these people are like, became rich tech dudes for doing whatever, programming, if that, or if you're Elon Musk, being born into the wealth of a blood emerald mine, you know, that somehow by being rich and like, quote unquote, successful, that means that you can adequately create a better public transit system or something like that, or, you know, doing things that are somehow going to enhance everyone's life. But it's like, no, it's just going to be the same sort of bullshit that like, if you just gave a like average shitty cishet white man a bunch of money, they would do. Cause it's like, you would think at this point in 2022, we would have, I don't know, a better way for sex workers to like receive payment online for the work that they're doing and a way for them to be able to engage in like, you know, their work without fear of being arrested, which you would think these so-called like liberal tech dudes would do, but have not, you know, or even shit like, even shit like fucking Tesla, where it's like, okay, electric cars. Great. That sounds great. Except for Teslas are shittily built. They're overly expensive. And it's like, this isn't, it's not like these are being built to be like, you know, man, we really got to get rid of our reliance on like fossil fuel cars. It's like a status symbol for people who are like, fans of elon musk and those things are like fucking death traps and it's not even like elon musk he like he brought the company that already existed like right you know all he did was more bigotry for the people who worked there <laughs> you know and producing this inferior product that is like poorly designed yeah. um and so of course you could imagine these like sort of terrible tech dudes being like man i'm really gonna hack being a being a person by becoming a vampire and then somehow getting magic question mark and the fact that shepherd is like oh yeah these next now vampires are like corporate raiders who like take what they want is this really like this is the perfect villain (laughs) for like this time of our lives Mm -hmm. and probably going forward is like just because some dude can make an app or like a phone doesn't mean that they should be involved with, I don't know, whatever this bullshit is. I am not sure that I'm following the like train from, and also I just want to say, I think this is like a me problem, not a like, not a you explaining things problem. I think I just got lost. Um, like, is the moral here basically, like, this is a an excellent example of, like, why we need to not be looking to, like, venture capitalists to solve social problems? Is that... Yes. Cool. Sorry, I just had to, like, re-listen to everything you said. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. I was, like, I feel like I went to a couple different and... Like, right, so we shouldn't be looking to venture capitalists. And I feel like more often than not, it is, like, just more replays of, like, colonialist bullshit. 
Yeah, I mean, especially like, I think the vampirism thing is such a excellent use of this because it's like, because they don't need to be able to pass anything on. So then they're like, we're the next stage of humanity. They really do not mean for like all of humanity. They just mean we're like going to be better than everyone else and therefore in control. Yeah. And it's just like, I think we could all think of some ways you could literally improve humanity as a whole. And it's all addressing structural issues that affect all of us. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, cool, you're not trying to like put money into like ending hunger or poverty or solving global warming. You guys just want to be magical vampires that live forever. Cool. Mm -hmm. And probably a never ending amount of like young women to like feed off of in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's fucking gross. And also brilliant to have in a fantasy. <laughs> like, just like to have here as to be like literal fucking blood sucking vampires. Yeah, yeah. It is it is excellently done. <sighs> as is this chapter, like the opening and closing of it, where it's almost like the it opens with Agatha being like, I don't I I can't remember like what I'm doing. I think I'm waiting for Brayden, and then she has like the memory returns of like what got her in the situation. And then it seems like she loses the memory again and just ends up back in the like, wait, am I waiting for Brayden? Like mm -hmm. everything she's just told us is immediately evaporates. Like when you're trying to remember a dream and yeah. it's, it's very evocative. It's like really, really well written. Yeah. This chapter is excellent. And it's just like poor Agatha. Oh my God. Yeah. She's in trouble. Mm-hmm. It just, I, I don't know, that's, like, just always what my note is, because I think it's so funny that, like, this whole book started with Penny being, like, Agatha's in trouble with, like, absolutely no basis in reality, and she's like, it's not a lie, she could be in trouble, historically, she has been in trouble, and, like, she wasn't in trouble yet when we started on this adventure, and now she is in so much trouble, like, she is in such trouble, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the whole thing is deeply horrifying on so many levels, and it's just like, it's like a literal nightmare. All I keep thinking of is that gif that I'm assuming is from the movie Ghost, where it's just Whoopi Girlberg being like, you endanger girl, <laughs> in a loop over and over in my brain. <laughs> like, Agatha, you're in trouble. Yeah. <sighs> uh, yeah. Yeah, Brayden is a 10 out of 10 bad guy. He's up there with, like, Black Mask in terms of relevant topical bad guys. Yeah, it's like uh, uh, millennial Gen Z bad guys versus, like, boomer bad guys that are just socialists. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. I think it's interesting because, like, whenever we have these conversations, the person that we compare these bad guys to is Elon Musk. And I'm like... Is Jeff Bezos, like, avoiding seeming like these bad guys by just, like, looking like Lex Luthor? Or is he doing it by, like, being just, like, quietly evil, sleeping on a mountain of gold? And so, like, we just can't talk about him? Because I think he's doing similar things in terms of, like, manipulating the way that the world goes as Elon Musk. But, like... I don't know what he's doing besides sleeping on a mountain of gold and being a giant piece of shit. I mean, the things that Amazon does as a company is pretty fucked up on like 
labor and small business and the entire U.S. Postal Service kind of stuff. And I don't know. I feel like kind of that in itself is sort of like, I feel like he's just like slowly getting us to a point where it's like there is nothing but Amazon to buy your things from. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because I feel like he already has such a giant monopoly on shopping and shipping and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure there's other like terrible fucked up shit he is doing. I think what he's just like, I don't know. I don't think he has a social media where he's just saying shit, mm, you know? Yeah, that's probably it. Um, and so I feel like Jeff Bezos is a cartoon villain in, I think you're right. I feel like a comparison to sort of a very like cartoonish Lex Luthor is correct. While Elon Musk feels more like a Batman villain yeah. <laughs> in a lot of ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like Black Mask. I mean, we talked about Elon Musk as Black Mask for like at least a third of our episode that we did about birds of prey so yeah yeah so yeah so it's like i feel like what jeff Bezos is doing is like very sinister but like behind the scenes in a thing where it's like five years from now we're gonna look up and be like oh fuck (laughs) 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 um but i think yeah like what like elon musk is just more like uh, outwardly terrible and like saying terrible things and like has more interpersonal drama even though I would love for Jeff Bezos ex-wife to like write a tell-all book oh my god fingers crossed welcome to I'm just a poor boy where I tell you about ways that you can support our podcast So you can support us by leaving us a nice review, following us on Instagram and Tumblr, and notably not Twitter anymore for obvious reasons (laughs) that we just (laughs) talked a lot about. (laughs) Um, Joining our Patreon, buying merch, making a donation, telling your friends about us. All those links are in the show notes. And like, as a reminder, in case you forgot, we have other podcasts and you should check them out. They're all made by just me and Jesse and no one else. So your support is what makes all of that possible. Viewers like you. (laughs) Uh... Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. So, first of all, Simon's like, Baz, ride with me. There are stars. Because in book one, when Simon was like, should I stop flowing all of this magic into you? Baz was like, no, I want to look at the stars. Uh, I know. right in the feels so many feels um okay and then i just wrote oh my god talk to each other this is killing me (laughs) like just anything just but you have so many questions that maybe not this exact moment isn't the time but you could bring up 
at a later date. Right. You know, you you could just say it out loud. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like really, it's really rough. And like the part where Baz is like, I'm so worried that I'll do whatever it was that I did that made him push me away in the first place. And it's like, you didn't do anything. Why? Stop it. Oh my God. Yeah. I just want to read, like, there's a passage that I want to read. Okay. Where we get, you know, the thing where we see, see two moments from like, their two different perspectives. All right. So this is Simon. I bring my wings up around us and press him into the truck bed, pressing myself into every gray inch. When was the last time? No. Don't think about the last time. Don't think it might be now. Don't think. I'm wet from the river spirit. My nose is the same temperature as Baz's chin. I knock my face into his. I hang over him. This is the point, the proximity, where I usually pull away. Can I? I say, pressing in. I'm not sure he'll hear me over everything. And then we get this from Baz's perspective. His hair is sticky with dust. His face is cold and damp. He's clumsy like this, hitting me with his chest, shouldering me, butting my head back into the metal of the truck. I touch Simon Snow like he's made of glass, like he'll explode if I cross the wrong wires. He touches me like he can't decide whether to push or pull me, and he's settled on both. I go where he wants. I take what I can get. Can I? He asks. Can you what, Simon? Kiss me? Kill me? Break my heart? I touch him like he's made of butterfly wings. You don't have to ask. I say it loud enough that he'll hear me over everything. (sighs) It's really well written, obviously. And like having them like both end with the like hear over everything part and like the fact that there's a comma there so that like everything is not the sound of the wind in the back of the truck. Everything is like something much larger, you know? Yeah. So like the question and the response are not, they hold so much more in them than just the words that they're asking and like the specific thing that they're like allegedly addressing, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's just, The part that really gets me is the part where the two of them are interpreting the the physical actions that are taking place between them so profoundly differently. Mm -hmm. Like Simon's, I think, interpretation of it is much more like gentle and much more intentional, I think. And Baz is is so guarded at this point that he interprets it as much more like jostling and aggressive maybe uh aggressive it's not quite the the word i want to use either but yeah i mean like the way that a like large dog climbs into your lap and you're like oh my god you don't know where your body is in space and your elbows are really painful (laughs) right now you know like yeah it's 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 affection but it's done in a way that feels like overwhelming and like not careful yeah. Um, and I don't think Simon has any awareness of that. And I don't know that that's actually how it is. Or if Baz is just like so nervous, you know, he's describing the way that he's touching Simon like he's made of glass, that anything rougher than butterfly wings to him feels like this like huge amount of force, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it is the. I feel like I don't know if anxiety is the right word either, but there is a sort of the 
the tension that Baz is feeling, the not sexy tension that he is feeling, I yeah. think is, yeah, I think you're right. It is making him a little bit uh, hyper aware of everything in a way that like isn't like hyper aware because you're in the moment. It's like hyper aware because you're like carefully trying to fit in as much of the information into your brain as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That feels very accurate. These boys. You know. Do you want to talk about it from a sexy perspective? Yes. All right. (laughs) Welcome to Send Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. The only thing I have in my notes is just says, Jesus fucking Christ, finally. (laughs) (laughs) That feels very accurate. (laughs) Yeah, you, um, in your intro, insinuated heavily that you think there's, like, more than heavy petting taking place here. Tell me more. I think that... I think that the sort of flowerly language that we're getting from both Simon and Baz as time progresses in the chapter in chapter 41 I think that you could interpret it as maybe more than heavy petting but it could be any number of things any number of options I hope that you're right yeah maybe some dry humping I don't know yeah I mean I think that's a given for sure Mm -hmm. since we're were described as like Simon is on top of Baz, like both arms and wings enveloping him. There's mm-hmm. even just incidentally, like you can't avoid yeah. triumphing in that yeah. situation. <laughs> so, yeah. So. Yeah. And honestly, I would hope that both of them got off because it's like. I don't know. That scene in the next book kind of feels like the first time that they get off together i don't want it to be true i don't want it to be true that either <laughs> that would that makes me so sad and which i guess we'll get to once we revisit uh the third book which contrary to rainbow ravel's own suggestion i did in fact devour whole and just sped rather i mean i Wait. wasn't like skimming for just the simon and bass parts but what did she say that you're not supposed to do that? Oh, she was just like, you know, you should, you know, slow down and read it and not just for the Simon and Baz parts. Because, of course, everyone's like, are Simon and Baz going to still be together? Is <laughs> like the big question. Of the yeah, book. that's the most important thing. But a lot of other fun things happen in book three. Well, fun and well, a lot of fucked up, interesting adventures happen in book. Three. Yeah, that's for the second read. Come on. Priorities, yeah. Rainbow Rowell. Let us read the way we yeah. want. Yeah, but I didn't like skip to the end and be like, "Are Simon and Bass still fucking together or anything like that?" Yeah. So. Yeah. No, I also devoured it. I read it on a camping trip, and like, you know, I got to the part where they were like breaking up, and was like, "What the fuck is this book? I hate this book." And then, <laughs> and, like, thankfully, only lasts like a page, and then they're reconciling, and I was like, "Oh, thank God." Yeah, I don't think I could have handled it lasting more than like two pages before I would have probably just thrown my book in the fucking campfire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember where I was when I read the 
the third book, but I already read pretty fast. But I was def I think I like definitely like wasn't putting it down because I'm just like I need to fucking know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I really like the description that Baz gives of like kissing Simon when he's cold because Simon slowly warms up and Baz feels like he's warm and then Simon warms Baz up and it's like really nice. It's just really good. But also Simon being like sort of liking the chill of like Baz and I'm just like because they're so well matched. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's really nice. Uh, yeah, I'm glad we get this because I think this is the only sexy stuff we get in the book from here on out. Probably. Uh, enjoy it while enjoy it while it lasts, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Is This Just Fantasy, where we talk about magic and science and magical science. Um, I just have the one spell that we get here, Cushion the Blow, which mm-hmm. is nice because we asked in book one what spell Penny would have used to make the bathtub squishy so that she could sleep in Simon and Baz's room. Here's an answer. Yeah, it sounds cool. Or turn anything into like your very own personal trampoline, which sounds mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I just have one thing that I'm going to try to keep short, even though I did a lot of very funny science research. Okay. So, okay. So Brayden is like excited about Agatha because he's like, we're going we're gonna to find out where the fuck magic comes from. <laughs> we realize it's not communicable. <laughs> and it's like, okay, cool. Yes. I'm glad you figured that out. Um, and I'm just like, it feels like another one of those like ridiculous rich tech bro things where it's just like if we just throw enough money at the science we can figure it out mm-hmm. and i'm like genetic analysis is not as precise and all-knowing as people want to think it is like obviously there's still a lot of things that geneticists are trying to you know map and figure out and what that means and like there's also just so many like dna variants that would cause so many different things it's like I'm like, this just seems like you guys are going to fail. And even the assumption of like, maybe it's like one or two genetic markers that you could identify, like something like sickle cell or something, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, there might be a variety of things that affect your ability to be a mage or not, you know? Yeah. And it's like, I know you guys are fucking vampires, but if you're not paying attention to climate change, you're not going to have a hundred million, uh, you know... 300 years to figure this shit out (laughs) so it just seems like an exercise in failure for me in my brain that there's like you know we're just gonna figure out the genetics and then do what inject it into yourself like my dude like what i mean we can turn epigenetics on and off and like mice and stuff we do that all the time i disagree with you interesting okay not not in the they might fail category or like it's probably more complicated than like one genetic thing category but like i too want to know where the genetic markers for magic are like don't you i mean research done for the sake of research is cool all the time even if you don't want to do anything with the knowledge that you get i i do want to know i don't know it i would love to know the like 
science behind a magical person, obviously. Like, that is really cool. That it's being done by these dudes to be, like, exploited somehow for a select few makes me uncomfortable. (laughs) Totally. I don't want them to be doing it, but I don't think the argument that, like, genetic mapping isn't, like, as, you know, straightforward as it sounds like they want them to be is an argument that, like, no one should look for Mm. where magic exists in the genome. Like... They have no idea where the genetics that cause EDS are, but I don't want them to stop looking for them because, you know, information is good. Yeah, I guess I'm more, I guess I just wanted to clarify that I'm just, it feels like they're like, we have Agatha here. We're going to figure that shit out, like on a time schedule and not like this is realistically work that would take a lot of time and a lot of research. I'm just like, did you guys think this idea through? Because it doesn't feel like you did. It's sort of like drinking, it's sort of like he's drank his own Kool-Aid, you know? I mean, I think they've probably turned a lot of researchers. I don't think that it's all tech bros here. Yeah, and and I assume that they have because of the whole corporate writers comment that they've turned a lot of people who are useful. And I also think that they're willing to keep Agatha there for years. For I mean, yeah, decades for like as long as they need to continue pulling samples from her until they get the answers that they want. So, yeah, I do unfortunately think that they've thought it through, uh, and it's bad. You know? It's very bad. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, these did suck. <laughs> they suck a lot. They <laughs> they're very dangerous. Yeah. Um, I don't have anything else. <laughs> yeah, me either. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Escape from Reality. Next time we will be reading chapters 43 and 44. And until next time, Scottamoosh! Until next time. You with me? Oh, sorry. Yes. I'm like, wait, which which outro is this again? (laughs) All right, I am ready.